0: You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. So, in the traditional Haggadah, there's a uh, rather striking omission. Anybody know what is the rather striking omission in the traditional Haggadah? Moses. Moses Moses is not mentioned traditionally in the Haggadah. Now, there are contemporary Haggadot that do include Moses, and if you were uh, at our Seder last night, I I referenced Moses a a couple of times. Uh, But in the traditional Haggadah, uh, we don't mention Moshe at all. And in fact, the Haggadah goes out of its way not to mention Moses. So, in the uh, in the symposium, the extended uh, midrash on uh, the phrase from Deuteronomy, "Aramio veda v," and that uh, uh, blessing in, in Deuteronomy, uh, it goes out of its way. Uh, to uh, To talk about um, uh, to talk about God's role in the uh, in the Exodus, it says, "V'yotzienu uh, adonai miMitzrayim, v'yadcha zakav, v'zro netauyav, v'mora gadol v'utu u'vemuftim." V'yotzienu adonai miMitzrayim. God took us out. Lo ayde malach, lo ayde saraf, v'lo ayde shaliach. Ella hakadosh baruch hu bichvodo u'veatzmo. Shneemar vavarti beerts mitraim belayla hazeb, vi keti cobechor beerts mitraim me adam albehema viho elohim mitraim esesh fatim ani adonai. Not by the hands of an angel, not by the hands of a seraph. Not by the hands of a messenger, but the Holy One, blessed be God, God's self, and God's own glory. Just as it says, I will pass through the land of Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn in Egypt, both human and beast. I will execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt, I the Lord. Uh, So, the question that I have is, first why does the Haggadah go out of its way to excise Moses' role in the story? That's one question. And then the second question is, if the Haggadah is telling it the appropriate way to excise Moses' role in the story and emphasize God's role in the story, why doesn't the Torah do that? Why does the Torah have a rather large role for Moshe? So large, in fact, that as the source material for several movies, Moses becomes the main character in the films, right? So why does the Haggadah excise Moses from the story, but the Torah doesn't? Rita. I I think there's a theme with
1: the rabbis of don't be too impressed with yourselves, human beings. Remember the power comes from, not the power in the bad way, but in the good way, Mm -hmm. comes from God. Um, And that Without God, you know, this doesn't happen. So don't glorify or idolize a human being as opposed to kind of remembering what all of this is about, which is God's dominion. God's love, God's image, all
0: of those features. Great. Okay, so for the sake, in some senses, of of human humility, recognizing human limitation, uh, that uh, that that we focus on on God's role and God's power, recognizing that uh, um, that that uh, uh, that the that the force for human liberation ultimately comes from God, and not to dwell too much uh, in self celebration. Gary. Okay, right?
1: I think mean, there's a question of confusing the master and the emissary, mm. and the idea of the emissary potentially usurping the power of the master if there's too much emphasis, so that, you know, in fact there's a, a parable about that, right, about the, the emissary who kind of gets a little empowered and, and decides um, that you know, he or she is capable of doing whatever the master uh, can do. To usurp the power of the master, so I think just taking the emissary out of the imagery and out of the story completely places the the full glory and
0: the full uh, focus on the master. Got it. So the so the human agency, to to go off on the analogy, human agency uh, uh, can tend toward abuse. Right, that uh, uh, a, a a sense of our uh, that that if we feel this is similar to what Rita saying, if we feel too much of our own empowerment, uh, then we have the capacity to uh, uh, to uh, go off in directions that uh, that that we oughtn't go, right? Or to to misuse to misuse the agency, to misuse the power, right? Yeah, David.
1: Well, I think this kind of echoing what Rita and Gary just said, but I think maybe they thought that there is a danger of deifying, or literally idolizing Moses. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, some religions do equate their prophets with a divine being. Right. And I think the message in the Haggadah is that Hashem can use, you don't have to be divine or semi-divine, Hashem can use anybody to accomplish her, his work on her.
0: Beautiful, great. Nancy, did you have your hand up? No, that no, I'm okay. just listening Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there are a couple <laughs> other are possible
1: causes. One is that because the the full Exodus story that we're covering with God goes through the entry into Israel, and Moses isn't around for the entire thing, we have to mention his death as well. And that would be a downer. Interesting.
0: That I hadn't considered. Uh, interesting. Yeah. No, the diminish the celebration. Yeah. Yeah, that would
1: diminish the celebration, and not for for necessary reasons. But the other piece is that since Moshe dies, unlike Eliyahu, Moshe dies, and yeah. so having a time bound individual mentioned in the Exodus story would undermine the primary message that. In every generation, we are supposed to view ourselves. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. We all have encountered God at some level. Most of us have, in fact, none of us today have encountered Moshe. Right. right. So to escape time, we can't mention the people who are in the Exodus by name. I was just going to reference the Sigur on page 170. Which in that middle line reads, I am the servant of the Holy One whom I revere, and this precious Torah I revere. Christians, right? I mean, and Christianity actually took the concept of an emissary being a god and I think they really needed to make that point that this is not who we are. I say you the same thing, I just don't want to say.
0: Yeah, that well, anymore. I want to push back on it a little bit because the Haggadah is actually more ancient than that, or at least the core the core of it is more ancient than that. Uh, that uh, that it was uh, primarily compiled during the Roman period. Um, now there, so pre-Christian. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of debate about, uh, about you know, uh, whether or if the Haggadah is a polemic against any, any specific group, uh, whether it's a polemic against, you know, some people say that, uh, that they're actually discussing, uh, um, I talked last week, when was it? Did I talk about it last week, I guess? Uh, a few days ago about the rabbis in Bene B'rach. And so there's a, uh, a, a strand of tradition that says that they're actually sitting there debating whether or not they should engage in the Bar Kokhba rebellion. Uh, and so, uh, so there's that idea too. And so that, that thought crossed my mind here of the notion of, okay, you know, um, this may be a, a voice saying like, no, we shouldn't have human rebellions against Rome. God will ultimately uh, come to our aid if God sees fit to come to our aid, which is actually a debate that we have now, not so much anymore, but uh, certainly toward the beginning of the advent of the State of Israel, you still have a little bit today, about, uh, about Zionism. Right? Should, should human agency uh, go about uh, renewing the Jewish national project, or should it be exclusively divine agency? So you still have Jews today. Who say that it's not in the hands of the Jewish people to rebuild uh, a, a Jewish state in the land of Israel? That only God can do that, uh, and so maybe that's what's happening here—that uh, uh, that they take Moses out of the story to say, "No, we shouldn't have human rebellions; we should have uh, God-driven rebellions." Um, so it might be—you might be right. I, I'm not—I'm not sure though about uh, about uh, whether this is a polemic about Christianity. You're by
1: false To me later on. Sure. I mean, so there was this hesitancy about, you know, making
0: Moshe into sort of a demigod. Right, right. Which is, I think, uh, to, to David's point as well. Uh, good. These are all beautiful answers, and uh, and I uh, don't have the answer. Uh, so I, I'm uh, excited, uh, hopefully, to continue uh, the conversation over over lunch uh, and in the days ahead. Um, just a, just a couple of thoughts to tie a few of these strands together. Uh, I think that uh, uh, because one thing that we didn't con- uh, consider was the second question, which is if uh, if if uh, the tradition wants us to focus on God's role in this story, then why do we have the biblical account that gives a significant role to human beings in the story, right? And uh, not only why is the Bible written that way, but assuming that that's how the story happened, why does God use a human being at all in the story? Why doesn't God just actually do what the Haggadah says, right, which is come in and swoop down and pick up the Jewish people and take them to the land of Israel, right? Why doesn't God do that? So I think that there are two dimensions of this. Um, one, to pick up on the thread that was offered here, I think that there is a uh, an understandable discomfort that the rabbinic tradition has uh, with... Uh, with with deifying and emphasizing the role that uh, human beings uh, play in the story, I think ultimately why the Exodus is such a central focus of our tradition. Um, the 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 message that it comes to teach, or if you think about Egypt being the dominant power in the uh, in the ancient world until the ascension of uh, of of Babylonia, um, that uh, that that God is transcendent and powerful has dominion over even the most powerful human beings, right? That there's no human agency that is more powerful than the ultimate agency in the cosmos, which is God, right? And so therefore, it's incumbent upon it, on, on us as human beings, as Jews, uh, to, uh, to ascribe ourselves uh, to that ultimate power, right? To uh, follow the directionality of that ultimate power. Now, what I think is revolutionary about Judaism is that that ultimate power has has moral force and not just physical force, right? So it's not just might makes right, but that right is right, and might is in the service of right. So the the power that we are to follow is the power that uh, that liberates the enslaved, that redeems the oppressed, uh, that, uh, that 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 uh, fights for. Uh, Ultimate human dignity and equality, right? And so the uh, the 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 power that is emphasized here is not just the power that uh, is able to destroy the Egyptians, uh, but rather the power that destroys the Egyptians for a greater purpose, right? That overturns uh, that overturns immoral law and immoral systems in favor of. Moral and just ones. So we emphasize that power, and we ascribe ourselves to that power, recognizing that uh, that, that, uh, that that there's nothing in the cosmos uh, worth affixing ourselves to except for that power. It to me reminds me of what Martin Luther King said in the letter from Birmingham Jail that there are two laws. There are human laws and God's law. Human laws are valid uh, and and legal uh, insofar as they comport to God's law but so long as they don't comport to God's law we are duty bound to follow God's law and not human law. So that I think is one of the messages here in the Haggadah which I think is actually a um, uh, an uh, an understandable message for the rabbis writing this into the context of the Roman Empire to uh, to to be thinking about, but also it remains true and relevant in in our time as well. So I think that that's actually the thrust of Torah as well. Why uh, the Exodus from Egypt is so central to uh, uh, Jewish identity and uh, and and uh, uh, Jewish practice and ultimately Jewish ethics. But I think that the Torah doesn't go. O- Totally in that direction in the story. The Torah uses human agency uh in the story to remind us that uh, that God is not a power alone. Right? God uh God is a force in the universe only through uh virtue of of human action. Uh so God doesn't do things on God's own. There's no such thing as God doing things on God's own. Uh, and so there's an interesting uh, debate in the commentaries about even this passage that says, uh, God took us out not by the hands of an angel, not by the hands of the seraph, not by the hands of a messenger. Uh, that that what it's saying is not that Moses didn't have a part in the story, right? But it wasn't Moses acting. Moses was the vessel for God's action, right? So it wasn't by Moses' hands. It was through Moses' hands, right? And and Moses was the vessel. Pharaoh is mentioned in the Haggadah, so it's not as if human beings, it says that human beings aren't at play in the story. It very much seems to me like uh, the construction that, uh, that uh, Kabbalah and Hasidut, uh, Jewish mysticism, uh, uses uh, to describe the cosmos, that you are either a klipah or a kli. You're either something that's an impediment to God's power in the universe or you're a vessel for God's power in the universe. If you're on Pharaoh's side, you're an impediment to God's power in the universe. Ultimately, those impediments are going to be removed. And it's upon us, we have the capacity to be vessels. That's why I really love what you added, Ben, because if you bring Moses into the Haggadah, it's time-bound, right? But the notion of being a a vessel for God is transcendent of all time, right? We have as much capacity uh, power and capacity to be vessels for God in this time, as Moses did in that time. There was nothing unique or special about Moses in many ways. He was the vessel at that time, right? And today, we're the vessel. It reminds me is just a, a closing of um, uh, this uh, uh, beautiful story that, uh, that, that I hear in different permutations, uh, but uh, the way I remember it is that... Uh, uh, some, a young woman, uh, goes, uh, on, on a trip to, uh, to India or somewhere in the developing world and sees all the, uh, extraordinary and heartbreaking poverty that exists when you go to a place like that. And she, uh, you know, uh, comes back to her hotel room and, and, and just bursts out into tears, sobbing, crying, praying to God and saying, God, why don't you do something about this? You know, uh, um do something and a voice comes out from heaven and says I did do something I sent you